What is Crackalackin' Hardwood Knox listeners and any stragglers who might be coming into this impromptu? I'm going to ramble for a minute in case anyone's actually going to hop in here. Doing this unscheduled because I did not predict the DeJounte Murray trade tonight. But also now we have to retackle the Atlanta Hawks future in general in anticipation of free agency. So I figure I'd hop on and do it here so it's at least live if anything else comes up. That will ruin it. Uh, thoroughly exhausted. I don't know as we get out of this quick intro. If anyone can see behind me, if they're watching on YouTube, I have like a massive amount of energy drinks and energy powder, amino energy at my workstation. I am on minimal sleep. This is a wild time of year, and I always forget, I feel like, how wild and how just beat up my body is and how much energy I do not have. I do not recommend consuming the amount of caffeine that I consume, but we do this because it's 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 fun. It's a lot of fun. And speaking of fun, we love transactions. Um, I mean, some people don't love transactions, but transactions are a huge part of the offseason. And the Spurs and Hawks just made quite the blockbuster deal. And we have to parse through that, I think, is where to start. DeJounte Murray is headed to the Atlanta Hawks. And the Hawks, in return, are sending out Danilo Gallinari, whose salary is now fully guaranteed. He's on that, I think it's 21.5, whatever million dollar expiring deal. The Hawks are also sending the Spurs an unprotected 2026 first round swap. Um, and then two unprotected first-round picks in 2025 and 2027. That is a pretty significant haul to give up what you would consider an all-star player, but not a no-brainer all-star player on a every-year basis. So um, this is like, um, do I think, look, I'll answer questions that come through the chat, um, podcast, special, and why do you think it's an early dive into Mimanyama? I do. Uh, I actually just wrote about this and tweeted a meme about it. This is absolutely what the Spurs are angling for is an overall tank job. I think from the Spurs' perspective, let's let's start there because this is going to be very Hawk-centric eventually. Um, they were at a point, and we kind of saw this admission with the Derek White trade, where they weren't good enough to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that they were going to be able to build more than this mediocre winner around DeJounte Murray. You were always going to end up in this weird space in the draft where, yeah, we've seen the Spurs um, bag cornerstones there before, Kawhi Leonard, that trade, but it's harder to do. You're not landing in that typical cornerstone territory. So you were too good to land there, but not good enough to, beyond a shadow of a doubt, figure out a pathway to title contention. You either need to get lucky in free agency, really lucky later on in the draft. Um, is Jeremy Sowen like, going to turn into a star? Josh Primo, Devin Vassell, something along those lines. Or you go this route, where you load yourself up on draft picks, you get more developmental minutes for, for the kiddies, and you hope that you're able to either find your next guy in the future drafts, or maybe you already have him on the roster, in which case you're going to have um, a better chance of discovering him if DeJounte Murray's not there, since he had a lot of control over the offense. I also think what they've also done is given themselves more bites at the apple in general when you're looking at the pick stash that they now have. So let's go through this really quickly. They have all their own first moving forward, free and clear. They have the Hornets 2023 pick. It's top 16 protected. It will never be better than um, lottery protected in 2024 and 2025. Turns into two seconds if it doesn't convey. I think there's a, a chance it won't convey. The Hornets are always iffy. They also have the Hawks 2025 first unprotected. They have the Bulls 2025 first. That's top 10 protected, and then it's top eight protected in 2026. If Chicago is going to keep Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan through that time, it should at least convey. But you also have the 2026 swap with the Hawks. So if you're better than them, or maybe they're terrible, um, this sort of dovetails as we get into these future picks with DeJounte Murray entering free agency. A lot of people don't think he will inevitably sign 
an extension um, because he might be a max candidate if things pan out. You have the Hawks 2027 first round pick, free and clear. So you have just those those two first round picks, the 2025 and 2027 just from the Hawks unprotected, plus the 2028 swap from the Boston Celtics, which is only top one protected. And I think they're really like net negative that's going on in the YouTube chat right now, but um, they're really a net negative. I think like one second round pick and they have some interesting second rounders to convey there. You're also bringing in three rookies from the top 25 this year. If they need to go out, if the right player ever becomes available two, three, four years down the line, they either have all these bites at the apple in the draft that could end up being pretty high picks. There's, you know, if things fall apart for the Hawks, um, like they did this year, but only more so if they lose Murray or if something happens, um, the Celtics, that's a, they're young. 2028 is really far away. So if you need to swap, then um, they just have all these different bites at the apple in the draft. Or again, I don't think it'll ever be trade pieces, sort of like the Oklahoma City Thunder. But again, you've given yourself flexibility. So this was clarifying to me. I do think we over romanticize draft picks, but the Spurs were stuck in the middle and this gave them a concrete direction. And then the unpredictability in their range of outcomes of what comes moving forward. Um, that's also an asset here. And so it's not saying that DeJounte Murray wasn't good. He was great. I just had a podcast where I advocated against trading for him without knowing the hall, obviously. I think you could have kept him and tried to figure out some things, but now they're set up to really to work, um, to you know plumb the depths of their their youth. The chat's going off right now. They're probably going to let Lonnie walk. Lonnie walk. Um, that'd probably be my guess. I also think, look, it's going to be open season on the rest of their players. Jakob Pertl, final year of his deal, one of the league's best rim protectors. Uh, there's also... Doug McDermott, he's a little bit on the higher end when it comes to being priced, but if you want a functional shooter away from the ball, can also finish at the rim off of movement, that's someone that should interest teams. Josh Richardson, I thought, quietly had um, a really good year for Boston and San Antonio. He's in the final year of his deal. What can you get for him? And I don't, I wouldn't expect them to go this route now, but I would keep an eye on Keldon Johnson Jr. Just because he's still really young, but are the Spurs, he's extension eligible now, restricted free agency next summer, are you going to pay anyone when you're in the infancy of your rebuild? By that logic, some people would say, well, then why don't you think Devin Vassell is going to be available? Vassell just has that extra year left on his rookie scale. I'm also higher on Vassell moving forward. That being said, I do think Keldon Johnson proved to be um, more plug and play on the offensive end last year, and you can move him around defensively. I'm just saying teams might call about him because the Spurs are clearly going in this future-driven directive. I don't know what they're going to, to do Um with him, but my guess would be Pirtle, Richardson, those two will definitely be moved um, either before this season or leading into this season. And then I keep an eye on, on McDermott. Um, and so I'm, I'm fine with this for the Spurs. I'm probably a little sad that if this is going to be coach pop swan song, that we don't see him uh, coaching a more competitive team, but maybe the Spurs surprise us. Maybe he's planning on coaching longer. I will also say when you base it on just his sideline activity, um, and the way he speaks in pressers, there's been like this energy about him the past couple of years that I've really enjoyed. And so maybe he just really likes the molding the kiddos part of this entire process. Um, somewhere Quinn Snyder is probably looking at the Spurs and like, oh, if they, uh, you know, if, if they end up with Victor and I just come out of my hiatus from this year. Uh, but yeah, I'm that's like the only downside for me here. It's you, you took a hit immediately. But I think that when you look at the West with a healthy or you want to say healthier if you don't believe they'll be healthy. Clippers, Nuggets team, baking that into the Suns probably won't go anywhere if Chris Paul and Devin Booker are still going to be there regardless of what happens with Aiton. Um, 
you have the the Mavericks, though they're about to lose Jalen Brunson. So there's some uncertainty at the top. There's no guarantee the Lakers are just good next year either. Don't uh, please spare me just thinking. But Minnesota's on the rise. The Pelicans are going to get Zion back. That's a team to watch as well. The Blazers should be better if if they're healthy. Uh, now is the time to sort of move out of that. And you also, you kind of look at OKC consolidating those three conditional picks to get Jeremy Sohan at number 11. Um, that kind of shows that, hey, maybe they're moving into a, a different stage of their rebuild. They've already paid Shea. Maybe they're going to be more aggressive here. So the timing just couldn't be better to make this move as tough it is, as it is. Um, the podcast special NYS, if we have any plans to go live on free agency opening day, uh, I do not at the moment, just because my full-time job at police report, I am nuts all the time um, during this time of year. And so since this podcast is not a part of that, it is a secondary concern because I have, I have bills and a mortgage to pay in case anybody, in case anybody cares, but I've been trying to put out as much content as possible. Check out, we've published like six pods over the past four days or whatever it is. Um, maybe I'll go live at the end or earlier in the day. Um, but I will try to do as much content as possible. And I really enjoy, I know there's only a few people in here right now because I don't schedule these things in advance. Um, I also, we have a very modest following, even though I love every single one of you. I appreciate all the engagement. I really like um, talking to everyone in the comments and our discord, go join um, our, our discord. And Joshua says in the chat, better be really bad than just to consistently make the play. And I mean, I'm with you. I think some people, who are outside team bubbles like myself can be too callous at times, but like the Spurs were kind of stuck in this limbo since they moved on from Kawhi Leonard. I like the idea of skewing one way or the other. And this look from what I've watched, like some highlights of, of Victor, um, Victor dub. I, I'm fascinated by him. I don't know that I've ever seen a prospect like him. I haven't delved deep enough, but everyone who's smart is just saying like, this is can't miss. I know people have been trolling the, the Spurs and, they're, I think they fall in the, oh, it's just they're over-romanticizing draft picks or look at what the lottery odds are when they're smoothed. That's still the best way to build is through the draft. And you're still, even if the word's not, even if you're disincentivized to all-out tank, the best way to maybe get a player like Victor is to have a bad record and higher odds in the draft. If you want lottery reform still, you need to disincentivize it to the point where teams aren't going to think that way at all. I don't have a problem with what the Spurs did here. I'm curious to hear what Spurs fans will think about what I think about this deal for the Hawks. I don't think it was an egregious price to pay. You have Trey young. So I think you can consider that those three picks you gave up are going to be middle rung at best at the same. And the other thing is DeJounte Murray fits like a glove on defense for Atlanta. Um, you all, you're going to have to stash Trey young, no matter what the difference here is, is that DeJounte Murray is now just an option to throw at the other team's best perimeter player, almost without condition like you know he's not going to go defend lebron james or something like that but he can be his length his disruption he's just ubiquitous in the passing lanes on and away from the ball he's impossible to scream um he is i will change the discord link in the youtube description at at some point um i don't know why what i did to the discord link that it's not working people said it wasn't working on mobile it works on desktop i apologize i'll try and fix that at some point um hashtag i suck i don't know what else to say um i I, I love the defensive fit and Murray is fantastic. I have questions about the offensive fit because I think this theory that move Trey Young off the ball. And the one thing I'll say really quickly, DeJounte Murray instantly beefs up the, the no Trey lineups. Those were still an issue last year. The Hawks had some success when DeLon Wright and Bogdan Madonovich were on the court without him. Murray makes those units better, even if you keep DeLon Wright or whatever. So that's fine with Trey Young. 
there's this idea that he can be someone who's moved off the ball, creates this, this havoc. He's Garland Riley says DeJounte's slim Jim, Paul George on D I'm throwing that up on the screen. That's, that's hysterical. Um, and probably very apropos, uh, Bubba, really quickly, where can I rewatch the Wizards free agency vid you did earlier in the day? That should be just living on, on YouTube. So, um, And it'll also be in the podcast feed after this. I'm trying to – I'm recording 40% of our uh, off-season outlook for the Southeast Division because I made the wrong choice. I went with Central since I had to re-record the, the Pistons one. Um, digressing there. But offensively, Murray has come a long way. His ball control in the pick and roll is a lot better. Decision-making in transition, low, lower turnover there as well has the mid-range game of which, which to speak. I wouldn't call him a complete non-shooter. Is he worth moving Trey Young off the ball for possessions? Maybe. The space in Atlanta could get a little tight if, if Capella's playing minutes, um, if defenses don't care about leaving John Collins open, who's a good, not great shooter. Um, the other thing to consider here is, can Trey Young operate like that? We just, it, in theory, oh my God, what if he's like Steph Curry and just pinging around screens? He's not as strong as Steph Curry. I don't know if he would just hold up through that constant motion. That's not something we've seen from him at all either. And we've just never even seen the Hawks. I don't know if it's a coaching thing. Was it a personnel thing? It definitely was personnel driven to some extent, but I think you could argue like the past two years, they could have tried to get him going off the ball more, but these numbers, they didn't surprise me, but they're still a little staggering. So last year, over 83% of Trey Young's made baskets went unassisted. That's the fourth largest share in the league among 96 players who averaged at least 30 minutes per game. He ranked fourth, in that same category in 2020-2021, sixth in 2019-2020, and ninth in 2018-19. So we've never seen that version. Um, uh, I'm glad to hear the blog Discord link is working. I guess I'll transfer that one. I'm really like, I'm a mess with the Discord link, and I'm sorry, I don't I don't know why. Um, I, I don't know what Trey Young looks like in that role. I think you definitely have to have a willingness to try it. Is Murray the perfect point guard to do it? I'm, I don't think guard, whatever you want to call him. I don't think he is. That being said, the defensive juice he provides is huge to Atlanta. I also, you look at this roster now, and there's more moves to be made. You could play Murray and Capella. I'm not saying you can't. I mean, Murray just played with Pirtle. So um, more dynamic. Pirtle has the floater, which Capella does not. I think I would probably fall in my chair if I saw Clint Capella start taking um, floaters. But I, I, I just, I look at the roster. They didn't get any, like, leaner in the depth chart they're still built for a consolidation move we know john collins wants out at this point he was painted as almost a goner leading into the draft only not to get moved i think you can make the case that if you're john collins this team should be on paper like its peak should be a lot higher at the same time he wants a bigger role which the hawks are actually in a worse position to give insofar as they were ever going to give him one um capella is still going to be your primary screener onyeka kongu continues to get better if, if he's healthy uh going to throw this up on the screen as well um the other thing is now you have bogdan madonovich dejounte murray trey young even throw kevin herter into that like you're not all of a sudden going to have a license to expand your your floor game even more here straight up so if you really want the bigger role it's not happening in atlanta maybe they trade clint capella and that allows you to return to your primary screener duty but i do believe the offensive role he's looking for is not in atlanta do i think that means they're going to move him Maybe they want to recoup some of their draft picks, and we know that they're a team that's going to be worried about paying the tax uh, if they have to go in there, which inevitably they will. This season, ironically, so the Gallo trade actually saves them money. Uh, the the Gallo trade. The DeJounte trade actually saves the money because they get off Gallo's $21.5 million for someone who's making less in DeJounte Murray, who's on the books for 
million. So you're saving over $5 million there. And it's, you know, even that, that basically is the difference of what it was going to cost to, to waive Gallo is he only had the partial guarantee. It's guaranteed now, but you would have spent 5 million, had that dead money on your books or waived it and stretched it over three. So what you do now is you probably might have access between that. The salary cap projection was a little bit higher than we expected by like 1.2 million. Uh, I had them about $13 million below the apron that was enough room to use the non-taxpayers mid-level, but would they do it while still going into the tax? They're now more than 10 million below the tax. If I'm not mistaken, that frees you up to go out on the free agency market, continue improving your team. And again, this is all to say, we haven't seen if there's other moves for them left uh, in the chamber. So uh, ooh, we are getting spammed in, in the chats here. Um, I'm going to block that user. Don't worry guys. Uh, unless anyone wanted porn bots. Joshua Warren says for the Hawks, I would try and trade for Gobert. I wasn't high. I was okay with this to begin with, but if you're going to have Murray on the court in addition to Gobert, I, that, that spacing could get a little tight. And then who's your four in that scenario? Because that's going to cost you John Collins and Clint Capella. And you're not, you don't have first round equity to include, which I think Utah would demand. Um, if you want to just build the uh, Joshua, the defensive beast um, around, uh, Trey Young and you had DeJounte Murray and Rudy Gobert, go for it. If you're able to keep DeJount, uh, DeAndre Hunter in that, hell, go for it. But I think this makes it substantially less likely. It's more, what would a Collins move alone get you? Because you're not even partnering him with stuff at this point, uh, given the picks that you already threw out there. I mean, you could technically still trade. You have your own 2023 pick, since you don't need to convey one to the Spurs until 2025. But I, I don't know what that gets you. I think they could still use a wing. The trade I proposed that we'll never see Garland. No, we have to pivot here. Garland, Garland, Riley. I'm so, I'm so disappointed. Aiton, Aiton, you want to max out Aiton? I, I'm just, I'm not about it. It's going to cost you. Um, and you're not the only one that said this, by the way, Garland. I'm just, I'm being an asshole here. Uh, I don't see it. Like he's probably more dynamic. He is more dynamic than Clint Capella on offense, but he's not actually like a floor spacer. And the thing is, to even underbase your compensation, it gets so complicated. You're you're now not really getting out of this. Um, yes, you could use Capello, which works for the Suns, but the Hawks don't have the cap space to take in just, um, let's say, DeAndre Ayton at $30 million while sending out Capello. They need to include more money, but the Suns would not be able to take back more money unless that deal is expanded. That's just a weird base co compensation rule um, in sign-and-trades, which affect predominantly rookie extensions. Uh, I don't... I don't know that that's where you want to funnel your money. And I think, are you giving up? So whether it's two, it's not going to be to Phoenix straight up, but that move is going to cost you um, Clint Capella and then more players or more probably Clint Capella and John Collins if he's going somewhere else. I don't think DeAndre Ayton um, is is good enough for the Hawks to jump through through those hoops. The trade that I did propose that is never going to see the light of day, except for now, because Grant and I, um, my fantastic colleague from Bleacher Report slash quasi co-host of this podcast, discussed it and i wanted thoughts in the chat if you're listening to this on the podcast uh let me know what you think this is the framework it would be og ananobi kem birch and malachi flynn for john collins and deandre hunter i wonder if that's enough for the raptors to bite my instinct says the hawks might think that's too much for their sort of blood you would have the option of using Capella instead of Collins because of how much defense Toronto has. And maybe you want to play Collins at the five, roll four out around Murray and have Trey Young in there. That's the type of move I could see them making where 
it's consolidation, not into a superstar, but OG Ananobi on this team with Murray, with Clint Capella, um, that that is a hell. That is a hell of a combination. And so that's the dream target. I don't think Toronto wants to give up OG Ananobi, and John Collins is not their type of player. Um, and look, everyone, uh, everyone thinks that they just drafted their big of the future. I also look, the other thing is I don't think Toronto needs a big, like you have Pascal Siakam. We've seen OG Ananobi defend fives in the past. Toronto Raptors fans think they have their big man of the future in in Christian Coloco. Maybe you do. That's just food for thought. The, the Raptors need some more offensive juice in the half court themselves. John Collins is plug and play, but maybe you explore his floor game a little bit. That's sort of what I propose for the Hawks. I don't know if anyone else sort of becomes available here. That would be worth including Collins though. When we run the gamut of, and this is going to be a lot of recycling from, the talk that I had with Grant that again, will never see the light of day RIP. Uh, where else are you sending Collins at this point? Like what is the other trade target? We've, we've mentioned Dayton. We've now mentioned OGN and OB. The pickings are, are sort of slim out there. Um, John Collins will be interesting in Memphis, but like, what are you making that trade for? And the Grizzlies are just not a team that's going to go that route. Um, does Minnesota have the assets? No, they don't. Or even really the, the personnel. I think the Atlanta, which complicates this needs a wing probably at this point. Um, it would be if OKC decided to go the Spurs route and ship out Shea, you can't even get him anymore. Cause you give him so many picks, but Shea, DeJounte Murray and Trey would be so unconventional, but I'd watch the hell out of that. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm going through it and I don't see like the trade target. There's the John Collins, Harrison Barnes stuff. I don't understand that for either team. Really Barnes is not a wing. I guess it helps more now that you have Murray, uh, in addition to Hunter, and so Barnes can exclusively defend fours. I hate Collins and Sabonis together in Sacramento. They can work on offense, but what does that do on defense? Um, Washington's not going to have an interest in Collins. Boston is not. They've apparently kicked the tires, but you're unless you're trading, things like, do you think that you're just trying to turn Collins into assets that you can then turn around and see who becomes available later? Uh, does a team like, you know, like how desperate does Dallas get? How many distant picks are they willing to trade? Or is that the route you would go with Memphis? Like that's the pathway. It would be salary filler and, and future picks. You're not getting Desmond Bain. I don't even know if you get Zaire Williams for John Collins at this point from them. Uh, you don't need Tyler Hero from Miami, even if they're offering first round picks. Um, Minnesota, I don't think has enough of the players to satisfy really who you're looking for. New Orleans has really no need for a John Collins with, with Zion Williams in there. Um, let me head back over to this chat. Yeah, Oscar Hazel did say Harrison Barnes. Um, I do not I, – I, I'm just not crazy. I think you need – I would want something else for Collins, and the Kings are not the team to give it to you. If they are, then hell yeah, let's let's do this. Joshua says Lou Dort would be great for the Hawks. Yeah, that's interesting, but he's so cheap. What are you giving up for Lou Dort? It would want like for future first-round equity, or do they want Onyeka Kongwu? Um, are they high on Jalen Johnson? Are they high on AJ Griffin? You could go that route. Um, but man, Dort and Shante Murray on the same team would be that'd be unfair for a lot of a lot of other teams. So I think that like that's the route that you could still go if you're Atlanta for sure is look at trades, but that feels like a situation where the trade market would have to develop um something that we're not seeing right now. Um and I don't I can't even spot the team. I normally fancy myself pretty good at saying, like, oh, this team could come out of left field. I can't see it now. Or maybe they settle for that that Kings deal. Um, but the OG and OB stuff is the best I could come up with. I don't know which, again, feel free to uh, tell me whether you think that that's, that's a framework that could potentially work. Oscar says Hayward and PJ for Collins. I think you need more stuff from Charlotte for that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, 
Hayward's deal is just like two years, 60 plus million. Um, PJ Washington would be interesting. I don't know if you're, you're not hurting your defense. It's probably lateral here though. Um, but that's, I guess Charlotte is a team, I guess that could theoretically want to kick the tires. They have Mark Williams and Kai Jones. Maybe they view Collins as like a nice match with them. If you're bringing back miles bridges though, that gets a little weird. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm at a loss. I think, uh, the Hawks are probably going to try and do more damage in free agency. I really liked, uh, Victor Oladipo for them before the Murray trade. I no longer like him as much unless you're bringing him off the bench. You could go the route of, if you're looking to shore up defense, does the non-taxpayers mid-level get you a, a Caleb or a Cody Martin? Uh, can it get you a mere coffee? Just guys who could be moved around positionally. TJ Warren arguably makes even more sense for this roster right now. Um, just looking at what they could need. Someone who just can play pure wing minutes, but maybe you downsize a little bit there. Um, the wing market in free agency is just, it's really, it's thin at this point. I would still bring back DeLon Wright. That would be where it gets difficult is can you spend the non-taxpayer mid-level and bring back uh, DeLon Wright? My guess is no. It depends on how much it costs, but I don't think you're going to be able to do that. So you could just bring back DeLon Wright. Um, could you maybe decide to go, well, we want like a higher end defender there and bring Gary Payton a second. Are you too small with having him, Murray, and Trey Young operating in your, in your backcourt there? If you're looking for the super cheap route, Daniel House, I don't think he's someone who like maybe he goes for biannual type money rather than the the mid-level exception. Um, do you take a flyer on Juan Toscano Anderson without the Warriors rotation? Uh, Damian Lee is someone who also from the Warriors who can move a lot on defense. Is that someone that you potentially consider? I'm I'm like uh, Mason Malazzo, Capella and Collins for Randall and Robinson sign, sign and trade. Yeah, do that, please. God, the Knicks are they're fucking terrible. Can't even talk about the the Knicks anymore than I already have. Um, Hawks free agent targets. Otherwise, just like, it's just such slim pickings. And I don't even know if they're going to spend that tax, uh, the non-tax pyramid level because you might, again, just need to funnel that into DeLon Wright. Murray, I do think, makes it less likely that he's back. Um, and so it's slim pickings there too, but I do still think that you signing someone in free agency is like more likely than making an impact move in the trade market unless there's just like a, um, excuse me, a Collins deal that I'm not seeing. I thought about maybe Derek Jones Jr. for this team, if he's going to sign for the minimum. Um, can you get Kyle Anderson even for the non-taxpayer mid-level exception at this point? I'd be very interested to see, maybe not enough shooting, and he's not the best defender, but is there a deal that could get Kelly Oubre to um, Atlanta? We know that um, Charlotte's going to be looking to cut money in advance of signing. Miles Bridges, uh, Atlanta's not, you know, they don't have blank check salary or like these super intriguing expiring contracts to send out right now, but you could in theory get there building something like, you know, does, do you value Kelly Bray Jr. more than you val value Kevin Herter? That's actually a trade that I hate that I hate for both teams, um, believe it or not. So Kelly Bray Jr. works via trade, but I, I don't think the Hawks have the equity that makes sense to go out and get him um, other free agents here for them. Um, and so many of them, we were going through other point guards like Tyus Jones made sense before the Murray trade. I don't think you want to burn your non-taxpayer mid level on a, on another guard at this point, even though you still could in theory use one, like bring DeLon right back. Sure. That's fine. Um, they could have, I thought like, could they be involved somehow? I thought in a KCP trade, that's, that's a no go because of um, what happened in Washington. If they were willing to play him and they're, they're really looking to sort of scrape the barrel of, of value. PJ Dozier would be an interesting fit here. Um, you could skew like even more towards versatility, not lockdown defense, but say you don't want Tanabe can play a bunch of different positions for you if he is healthy. Um, that 
Like that is the level of player that we're talking about. Even again, even the mid-level candidates, like yeah, Wes Matthews still makes a ton of sense here and I wouldn't give them the mid-level, but Wes Matthews, age 35, could you be a team that's willing to wait on Joe Ingles, age 34? He's probably been working out in Portland and I think Portland's going to go the the human trade exception route where they sign him um, or guarantee Bledsoe's contract uh, and just try and flip those to um, acquire someone via trade in the middle of the season or before the offseason's over. It couldn't be in the offseason if you re-sign Ingles, just an FYI. Bruce Brown, I'd probably prefer Gary Payton the second here. I trust his shooting a little bit more than Bruce Brown's. Again, are you just too small with Murray and Young, both under 6'5", and then you're going to add a Gary Payton second or Bruce Brown? In the rotation, yeah, that's fine. Could you play all three of them together, though? I would have some skepticism about that. I would absolutely try it because I'm a fan of very uh, unconventional lineups. Uh, someone wants to talk about the Kings. We've talked about the Kings plenty. I said nice things about them. Um, them renouncing Dante DiVincenzo, though, was weird. Maybe that's a fit in Atlanta. Still on the smaller end, and I don't know what you trust um, him to do defensively, but like that is just uh, that was just a wild decision by them. I still don't even fully understand it. He didn't have a good year coming back from injury last season, and he wasn't like standout for them. It was still just, just a weird to make that trade and then to whatever. Um, we know the Hawks also to get back to them renounced Kevin Knox. He's not going to be your shift agent. He's gone. Do they still have a need for Gorgie Jang? He's a non-bird UFA. I don't think he'll have a huge market, but depending on what you do with Collins um, and then DeLon, right. I would still look at bringing him back. They have his, his bird rights, but you're probably not knowing them unless they're willing to go into the tax. You're not paying DeLon right and having the, the non-taxpayer. Um, also what's interesting is both DeAndre Hunter and Bogdan McDonovich are extension eligible here. I don't think Hunter gets an extension, just he hasn't shown enough the ability to stay healthy and his offense kind of stagnated last year. And I don't even think he was like a great defender for them, even though he's among their best options at the point of attack because he was by default among their only options. But a Bogdanovich extension might make some sense, but now that you know you're going to eventually have to pay Murray um, and you already have Kevin Herter under lock and key for, for years, I think you look less at that. And Bogdanovich had his own sort of health issues. Um, so I look, the Hawks addressed arguably their two biggest needs in the Murray trade, which was a secondary creator to move Trey off the ball, help Carolinas without him, and then wing defense, just point of attack defense. Um, how can you further that here? And I, I don't know what the outcome is to a John Collins trade, knowing he wasn't involved with the Spurs. Um, is there a way to just get him on board with what's happening? Because this team, a, a lineup of Clint Capella, John Collins, DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, and DeAndre Hunter makes so much sense. And then you have Kevin Herter and Bogdanovich coming off the bench. Um, Onyeka Kungu as well. Like that's a really good eight man rotation, really good nine man rotation. If you're throwing DeLon right in there. And this says nothing about, I still really love Jalen Johnson and think he's someone you could move around positionally a ton. If you're going to get Lou Dort, I've kind of wondered if that's would get you Lou Dort. Um, and then there's also AJ Griffin, who a lot of people loved coming out. It doesn't look like they're set up to give him minutes next season, but this team is like nine or 10 now really interesting guys. Um, that's assuming that they consider bringing back DeLon Wright still. So, um, this is like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm endlessly, I was endlessly fascinated with every team. I say this to every team, but I was already kind of curious what the Hawks were going to do. And, but now you acquire DeJounte Murray without doing anything with John Collins. I, I don't know where you go next. They would be, look, if, if shit still hits the fan in Brooklyn, I guess you've given up too much picks to get into Kevin Durant sweepstakes, but you have like the players. Like, can you parlay combinations of Collins and Hunter and Onyeka Kongwu and Picks and Jalen Johnson, AJ Griffin, some of them going to Brooklyn, 
some of them going to other teams that gets Brooklyn to, to say yes there, uh, perhaps. But I think you're probably looking at stuff that's smaller scale from the Hawks moving here, even though they have a fringe all-star in John Collins, who appears to be eminently available. Uh, another trade I thought about was like a – and I guess maybe the Clippers wouldn't have interest in Kevin Herter, even though he's better than Luke Kennard, but like Bogdanovich, if you wanted a Marcus Morris senior um, – Depends on how you feel about Marcus Morris, Marcus Morris Senior. Excuse me, coming out of that because you are sacrificing some some shot creation there. That's a type of player though that they could really use. I like Marcus Morris Senior on this team probably a little bit better. Maybe not better than Harrison Barnes defensively. I like him better than Harrison Barnes. Maybe some small ball five there. I'm not moving Collins for Harrison Barnes. Like the Kings need to be including a pick there. And that's if they move Collins, I could see them going that route in the end, where it's oh we decided to get some picks in addition to one player. Um, that we can use because we're trying to keep ourselves flexible and lean moving forward. But I don't think this was an unwarranted trade for the Hawks, but they're definitely rolling the dice here because if they're at full strength, if everything works out, uh, I do think that they would be one of the top teams in these. Like right now, looking at the Hawks on paper, if they stay the same, who do we know will be better? We know that the Bucks will be better. Please don't ask me to include the Nets here. I mean, if they're healthy with Ben Simmons and Kyrie and Kevin Durant remaining healthy, I mean, sure. Those two teams... Um, there's of course, Boston is still going to be there. Miami. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to just blow it up. And if they do, it's to get like real players. They're apparently meeting with, uh, Jalen Brunson. I might throw the Sixers in here. They're projected to get PJ Tucker. Harden's apparently in good shape. Looks like he might take a pay cut too. Um, PJ Tucker on the Hawks would be sick. Mason says, I don't disagree. PJ Tucker would be sick on like every team, which is why I can't believe that, Miami can't do anything aside from offer PJ Tucker essentially the same money, the non-tax pyramid level that the Sixers seem to prepare to offer him. If they're not willing to offer him that, maybe they have other plans for their non-tax pair MLE, or they don't think they could work. They don't want to work, excuse me, within the hard cap after extending Tyler Hero this summer. I don't know what the reasons are, but we're now going to see PJ Tucker play mission critical roles for the Bucks and then I would argue he was much better for the Heat. And then they're just going to let him walk despite the ability to at least pay him the same amount of money as wherever he's going. Um, just odd. I know he's old, but that's just, that's like really odd thinking by me. But I think you could throw the Heat, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Nets, or like the, and the Raptors are like the candidates of the teams that could be better. And I don't know how many of those teams are going to say are definitively going to be better. I'll go, I'll go Boston, Milwaukee. Miami for sure. Philly's just implosive because we don't like for sure. Like those are the three teams for sure. And it's not, it's not going to be the Knicks. I, I apologize to Knicks fans, but if you think that that's really the, the possibility that they're going to be in that conversation, I have a few bridges. I would like to sell you. I think that's going to do it. If you're listening to this on the podcast, we are segueing right into the Southeast division, which I'm going to try and put out post haste so that nothing else is ruined. Um, Thank you everyone for listening to this section. Thanks for joining us on YouTube. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the YouTube channel, subscribing and downloading every episode of the podcast. Tell your friends, family members, random acquaintances on the internet about us, retweet our promos or send our links to, to people to help us continue building this community. I appreciate endlessly every single one of you um, join our discord. I'll, the link is somewhere. It's on Twitter. That works. It's in the podcast description. It doesn't work in YouTube. I'll try and fix that. Um, but yeah, let's get into the rest of the Southeast and please cross your fingers that I get this podcast out before it implodes. The division absent any interesting trade exceptions continues to roll on with the Charlotte Hornets. Key free agents, Mile Bridges is restricted. Cody Martin, an important free agent for them. He's also restricted. They have early bird rights on Montrez Harrell. Kelly Oubre Jr., $5 million of his $12.6 million salary is guaranteed until 
uh, June 30th. That I expect him to guarantee it. Mason Plumley has basically half of his $9 million salary guaranteed until 10 days before the moratorium, which unless my math is off, it should be guaranteed as we're recording this or just already guaranteed. They, they guaranteed point- it. They did. Okay. I apologize for messing that up. I didn't see it. Uh, Jalen McDaniels has a $1.9 million team option and Nick Richards has a $1.8 million non-guaranteed to the last day of the moratorium. Notable extension candidates, Gordon Hayward in parentheticals, LOL, PJ Washington and Jalen McDaniels. Uh, no notable trade exceptions, as I sort of alluded to at the top. Their best spending tool is the non-taxpayer MLE. Uh, I don't even know if – I'd be skeptical they use all of it because they're about $20 million away from the tax uh, if you just factor in Bridges' cap hold. And his cap hold is sub-17. And my guess is he probably winds up closer to 25 than 17. So their best spending tool is might be the minimum. <laughs> I don't know that Michael Jordan is going to spend anything that brings them into the tax. Uh, still, I don't mean to troll them. It's just the, re- well, I do mean to troll them. This is not a shot at Hornets fans, but the report, the way Windhorse framed it, that they need to move Gordon Hayward to afford to resign Miles Bridges. That's not actually a, how restricted free agency works, just in case anyone was wondering. Grant, what are you, I mean, I guess the starting point is Miles Bridges, like his restricted free agency. Do you expect there to be a market for him? Do you expect him back in Charlotte? Is there a scenario where you don't see him there? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I think um, the fact that we haven't really mentioned him a ton uh, as a target for other teams would suggest that like maybe his market isn't fantastic, but that speaks more to the lack of cap space around the league and which teams have it, I think, than anything else. Um, Because he's not necessarily a PC one as a rebuilder. He's young enough, but I think he's he's good right now. So and you're paying for basically his prime. So I I don't know if that that, you know, which way that cuts, I think. So Mitch Kupchak came out today as we were recording and said that they're going to bring him back. Um, speaking of bridges, but you know, I mean, obviously that, didn't say, that would be disastrous if they don't. Well, yeah, you can't just let him leave. I mean, like this is a cheapo organization. It, it's not trolling. It's just like, it's a fact. So if any team were going to do it, it, it might be them, but, but they have to bring him back. I don't know what form that's going to take. I don't know. Like I'm not, I don't think I'm comfortable at the full max, uh, but that may be what it takes. Uh, I'm not going, you know, I could see four years. I could see, you could even like do the Gordon Hayward thing with the jazz from years ago and and not offer him the full term and just sort of see how it goes. Turned out it didn't go well for Utah, but, uh, or did it since Hayward just basically kept getting hurt after that. Um, (laughs) I I don't know. Um, Yeah. There, I mean, in terms of big picture needs, like you can tell we could talk about bridges too, but this team just needs a defensive center. Um, if you can stretch, that's great. And otherwise, like you're just trying to fill in a roster that makes sense, uh, for you know, you know, a Steve Clifford team now, which I'm sure the mandate is like we have to defend, we have to make the playoffs. So that's kind of that frames kind of what you're going for, right? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much with you on Miles Bridges. I don't think he'll get a max offer sheet, but like the teams with cap space, like if it's or if it's Orlando, if it's Detroit or San Antonio, and they decide to fuck around and go for 100, the, the Hornets have to match uh, yeah. along those lines. Or maybe they try and screw Charlotte by making it shorter term. Michael Jordan might appreciate the shorter term deal, though. Uh, clutch sports is involved, so anything anything is on the table. And I won't rule out like just being surprised by how much he gets. They, need, they still need a defensive center, and yet they have Kai Jones, now Mark Williams, and then Mason Plumlee is there. I'm not saying they're the answers, but it's – you, ideally, you're moving Mason Plumley as part of a deal for any center. Miles Turner is the one that's been mentioned a ton. 
Uh, I think the Kelly Uber Jr. for Rashawn Holmes swap makes a lot of sense for both sides. If you or maybe it makes less if you have Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray in Sacramento. I wouldn't like you have you have Sabonis and they've been linked to Looney and they for some reason were trying to trade for John Collins. Please don't even I can't explain that one. Um, so there there are bigs out there they could get. Uh, and Rashawn Holmes might not be enough of a defensive anchor, but he's underrated there and just under Steve Clifford, I think that he would be more than fine. Are there any center targets like in free agency? that you've thought about knowing full well that like predicting what Charlotte might be willing to spend, even though they can technically maybe access the full or the bigger mid-level uh, like good luck, like predicting yeah. <laughs> actually use it. That's the trick. I mean, the two I like a lot, I mean, come on Looney, I think is, I don't think he's going to leave the Warriors, but someone like that makes sense. If it doesn't cost you the full MLE Hartenstein again, um, the fact that, that, the Clippers can only offer him basically up to that number uh, suggests that I think he'll at least get that offer elsewhere. And the Hornets could go a little bit above that if they want, have the stomach for it. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think you're looking at that weird little middle ground of like Claxton, I don't think is realistic. Cause I think the, the Nets will just kind of match or exceed what the they Hornets should. are willing to pay. Should. But I wouldn't be – Joe Sy seems fed up with how much that team is costing him. So. <laughs> yeah, well, he, could be, he should be fed up with a lot of things. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other centers you like? I would, I would love to see Mitchell Robinson under Steve Clifford, but I think it's mm-hmm. been made pretty clear the Knicks are going to pay him, and the mid-level is not going to get him out of New York. Yeah. Mo Bamba makes a lot of sense. He's also like a different look from the Mark Williams, Kai Jones, definitely a different look from Mason Plumley. Uh, <laughs> does the mid-level type money get him? If we're, you know, I've, it's the Hornets, so like I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but we have to think even sort of lower on the totem pole, Dwayne Dedman. Um, do they even look at what is Serge Ibaka's market this summer? If they're just looking for a veteran, uh, maybe even a Robin Lopez, uh, not going to space the floor. I don't like, he's so slower paced, but Mason Plumlee's not exactly like this, this fast pace monger. Um, you know, do they look at Tristan Thompson? Do they look at Moses Brown, Jalen Smith? I don't know how much he costs, but he could be fairly interesting. A lot of people consider him more of a four, uh, but he would, he would really stretch the floor and give their ball handlers room to, to operate. Um, I think their stomach for spending the the MLE is going to depend on whether they can offload Gordon Hayward for a smaller salary or a combination of salaries that gives them more breathing room under the tax after paying Miles Bridges. I'm really annoyed that you got to Jalen Smith before I did. I, that, I forgot that you're all, I'll refrain from mentioning him for any of the other teams so that you can be yeah. sure to flip him in they, get him team, into the next three. This team also needs to worry about re-signing Cody Martin. He's important. Like if they want to do something defensively, especially like he's going to be important to that and they just need wings. So like they need to be involved on is what does Daniel house cost? Um, Gary Harris is probably a little bit too small when you look at the setup of their roster, but what does Gary Harris cost? Is this a, this probably skews too far offense, but like, what is Victor Oladipo going to end up costing them? What does TJ Warren cost? Uh, Amir Coffee, definitely a name that they should look at. They could bring in, like, if this is a team that wants to compete, yeah, a Wesley Matthews at age 35 shouldn't be off the table. Uh, even a, when does Joe Ingles, when is he projected to come back? Do you take a flyer on him if it's for just slightly more than the minimum and uh, he wants a, like, Steve Clifford's prepared to use him? They, they need to look at all those types of guys. Those are, uh, they are available few and far between. But like this team isn't, you know, you look at their wing depth and they just don't actually have it, especially if they're not married to the idea of keeping Gordon Hayward. Miles Bridges isn't a wing. Kelly Oubre Jr. is like, he's a wing, but is he like, he's like more in the Harrison Barnes ilk where he's not, he's kind of like not a wing, but he's better at defending them. So that's what I would be looking at if, if I'm Charlotte. 
Yeah, it's a tough position to be in where two of your more likely trade candidates come from, a, which are Hayward and Kelly Oubre, come from a position where you really can't afford to lose much depth. But that's where they are, especially if you want to get a center. The Oubre for Holmes trade, probably with the Kings throwing in something, I think makes a lot, just a ton of sense. And shout out to, I know they're, so they ended up getting the Denver's 2023 lottery protected pick and four seconds um, for the pick that became Jalen Duran. Uh, shout out to Jake G. We had this conversation on Twitter. I was lampooning the Hornets and the Knicks when that deal happened until the full details came out. I think they probably made out fine there because maybe this opens playing time for James Booknight and Kai Jones by going that route. I don't know if it does, but um, that's, uh, that's some, by the way, they could consider maybe we play Kai Jones this year. Maybe James Booknight gives us something and that addresses maybe some of their needs. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything else on, on this team? That's all I got on Charlotte. The Miami heat. Key free agents, PJ Tucker, non-bird, restricted free agent. Kayla Martin, uh, non-bird, unrestricted free agent. Uh, I think I called PJ Tucker restricted. He's unrestricted. Victor Oladipo, they have full bird rights on him. Dwayne Deadman, Markeith Morris are non-birds. If anyone cares, Udonis Haslam is a free agent, and Miami can pay him whatever that it needs to uh, if, if they deem it necessary for him to come back. Uh, notable non-guarantees, Gabe Vincent, Max Drews at $1.8 million. Both of those will be guaranteed or have already been guaranteed. And Omar Yud7, I would imagine they probably guarantee him as well. Hayward Highsmith has 50K guaranteed until July 1st, fully guaranteed on July 15th. Notable extension candidates, Tyler Hero. No notable trade exceptions. Their best spending tool is the non-taxpayer MLE. Uh, they'll be about $20 million below the apron, and I don't think they care about going into the tax if they have to stay below the apron, though. That's if they keep Tucker at an $8.4 million salary, which is the most they can offer him on a 20% raise, or they might need to offer him the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, in which case, if that's going to him, they have more wiggle room to use it. It's just they're still losing a, a spot. So ideally, you get to keep Tucker and then still use your your mid-level exception. Grant, thoughts, themes about this team? Is PJ? Are you surprised that P.J. Tucker has been sort of billed as more of this flight risk, or is it, oh, well, Dalamori and James Harden are in Philadelphia, and maybe they'll sign... Trevor Reza and Luke Bamute and get the band back together. <laughs> I am a little surprised. I mean, I, I think it's, it's always surprising when someone his age, you know, basically turns down guaranteed money, but obviously he's going to, I think he's going to recoup that. And then some, the, the heater, a weird roster They're you know, they're, they're very top heavy. I think they've only got five guys that are on fully guaranteed deals. And you know, they're generally looking, they're generally like a team that operates, that improves itself through trade. And it's like, well, if you have five guys that are guaranteed, that limits your options a little bit. Um, I think, you know, a bunch of their, that'll change like because they have non-guarantees on like Struess and Vincent and Yurt7, all of whom I think makes sense to bring back, especially at such low numbers. You can think about extensions down the line. Uh, but I, I just think the playoffs kind of showed they're short on, you know, a shot creator that doesn't get played off the floor defensively. If Lowry's healthy, maybe that looks different. Um, I think they also just like everybody, especially if Tucker leaves, you're looking at guys that can occupy the combo forward spot. Otto Porter just to jump the gun is like a total no brainer target to me for them. Um, and you know, Thaddeus Young would I throw in there too. Um, bringing back someone like Derek Jones Jr. who really had his best years there. Uh, it could supercharge that defense if he, you know, gets in prime shape again. You know, he's comfortable there, stuff like that. I, I think a trade would is, probably make a lot of sense here too. Yeah, a trade is still the likeliest, you know, major thing for them. But a lot of those options seem to have kind of dried up. Uh, so, so 
they may just be stuck using that MLE uh, and hoping it's enough to, to improve the roster, bringing Tucker back and, and kind of adding a forward or two or a playmaker. Yeah. If they lose Tucker, that's going to be really hard to replace them. And I'm with you that their, their best route to um, improve is going to be through trade and they can offer now because of the renegotiation with OKC. If you include um, Nikola Jovic and like, as this year's first round pick, they can trade up to three picks now, I believe mm-hmm. on top of that uh, to double check. I don't know what or who that gets you in the running for. And you also need the the player that you described insofar as I know is like not available. There's right. nothing. Murray is not that guy. Um, is there, is the trade market going to develop in a different way that we don't see coming? And then even if we know that the heat are able to mine bargains out of places, but like where I can't even like going through the free agency list, I just couldn't even find someone like, yeah, maybe there's emergency shot creation types. If it's a Patty Mills, uh, should he leave Brooklyn? or a Dennis Schroeder, but you just said you don't want them to get played off the floor defensively. And that's not really what those guys are, are going to give you. Um, and look, there's a chance that they lose like Kayla Martin as well. In addition to PJ Tucker, like that gets really hard. Even bringing in Malik Monk that again, the defensive questions are there. Uh, you almost have to keep Victor Oladipo is like what I'm looking yeah. at through this lens is he is so important all of a sudden. Um, so, and I, again, the trade target just doesn't like the higher end trade target. And look, they're not really built to make the smaller trade because hero, even though he doesn't make a lot of money, like you're not moving him unless it's a Godfather acquisition. And then all your best salary filler. Now, Duncan Robinson is the cheapest of that at 16.9 million. You're not just acquiring an afterthought player there. So I thought like, because maybe if they didn't care about like the money, like they could step ladder their way. Like how desperate are they? for the type of shot creation if P.J. Tucker leaves, like, do they just say, oh, yeah, we'll take Tobias Harris because the Sixers are looking like, are, we, are you really going to facilitate the Sixers getting P.J. Tucker there? So that's weird as well. I'm, I'm not saying they're trapped. They're going to be a really good team if they're healthy. I just have any trade targets sprung to mind for you that even begin to address like what they need the most. Yeah, I mean, I had just as like a total, well, you know, you really talk yourself into it. You got to do some gymnastics, but like, if Kyrie Irving got to a point where it was just like, you know, we got these, the Nets are like, he's got to go hero and Lowry are kind of the start of a package that makes sense there. I think Irving and the heat, you know, sort of culture is a real tough marriage, but the heat also loves superstars and Kyrie Irving is that. And if any team thinks it could sort of make this work, even though it's never worked anywhere, they would have a right in feeling that way. Um, Or at least as much as anybody would, I think, in a, aside from that, like, and they don't really operate this way. The heat, they tend to like go find Gabe Vincent and then to, to, or Struess and turn him into someone. But like, if Lonnie Walker just isn't a retention priority, guys, you know, Jalen Smith, we're just going through the second draft, guys. And I have to mention Jalen Smith because uh, it's in my contract that uh, doesn't exist. Uh, I think the heat again would be justified in thinking like, we'll figure out what what's in there with Lonnie Walker and, and it's worth the risk to, to go try to see if we can get him with an offer sheet. One of the trade targets I thought about, I don't know what you need to attach to make it work. Duncan Robinson plus question mark for Eric Gordon. Mm. Do you think I get, yeah. Cause Robinson's contract, it sounds bad, but it's just cause it's so long that that number of, you know, the 90 million is scary. I, I think, I think Gordon would absolutely like, cause there's your, there's your playmaker and guard 
well, I mean, he's as much an off-ball guy as on, but like that, you that is not going to get played off the floor defensively. That that makes sense. You could imagine him, you know, he just doesn't come with any of the concerns that Hero does. He's not as good an offensive player, I don't think, in that specific role as Hero. But he would make sense, and he would bring, you know, he's tough. Like the Heat love their toughness, so that that's a factor too. Yeah, I I'm curious to see w- what route they end up going in free agency. And the final thing I need to talk about here is, do you think Tyler Hero gets an extension? That's a great question. My guess would be, if you want to hear what I think, I do. No, because the Heat are going to want to prioritize flexibility. He gets one a lot tougher to move if he's extended, like because of the the way that the poison pill provision is going to work there. And even just like you normally don't see those guys as talented on rookie deals moved anyway. You're going to move them at a higher number later on. But he also has enough leverage coming off six man of the year, averaging 20 plus points, four plus assists, shooting nearly 40% from three. And as just honestly, their most consistent tough shot maker from the perimeter at this point, unless it's the playoffs and Jimmy Butler decides that he's like going to be a perimeter savant again. Uh, he has the like, wherewithal to ask for a max. And if you're the heat at that point, it's, well, you might as well wait and let's see what we can do next summer. And if we have to match a max or give him a max then because he played so well, then so be it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I agree with that. Our next team, the Orlando Magic, key free agents include Gary Harris, Mo Bamba, who's restricted. Bobo is restricted. Rolo, Robin Lopez, is a non-bird, unrestricted free agent. Mo Wagner, his $1.9 million salary guarantees on June 30th. Delvin Kennedy is a $1.8 million non-guaranteed deal. Notable extension candidates include Markel Fultz and Terrence Ross. They, surprise, surprise, have no notable trade exceptions. Orlando's best spending tool is they can get up to, assuming they renounce Mo Bamba and Gary Harris and Robin Lopez in particular, 25 plus million dollars in cap space. I have their biggest needs priorities listed as shooting, maybe some true wings rather than combo forwards. Could also use a floor general type since Suggs, Fultz, Anthony really aren't those guys. I do wonder if are they less likely to want that if they one believe in RJ Hampton or two maybe they really want to just funnel the offense through Paolo Bancaro and Jalen Suggs, which, which I would be fine with. Yeah. I, I feel really good about them. Uh, you know, the three, four, five spots. I, I just, uh, I mean, I don't know if they're the three, four, but like, I think uh, Wagner and Boncaro as a, a forward pairing. I love it. I think if you get anything out of Jonathan Isaac, who by the way is an interesting trade chip because he's got a partial guarantee on 23, 24 and full non-guarantee 24, 25. <laughs> Did you see, though, there's still no timetable for his return. He suffered. He had to have hamstring surgery during his recovery from ACL. That was this past March. They expect him to be ready for the start of next season, but he has not played since the Disney bubble. Right. 2020. One of the biggest wild cards, unknowns, whatever, in the league. At this point, like, it's starting to get towards, like, the sad side of I think we know. But uh, what just his defensive potential, if he shows anything – um, man, I, if, and, and the magic can keep him like, boy, they really, they, they get very interesting. And if not like, yeah, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough deal. Um, kind of a bummer. I really liked him when he was healthy. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I think you'll probably talk about too, you know, they, it feels like they have a glut of playmaking guards with, with Fultz there, assuming he can stay healthy and Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs. But like, I don't know if I believe in any of those guys as, as like the steward of an offense. I think that's why Boncaro makes so much sense there is he might end up being that guy at a different position. 
Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they can mess around with offer sheets for restricted free agents. Um, they can be ambitious with, you know, spending, they can be a leverage team for, for, uh, for other guys out there. Um, and the same options as far as, you know, the Pistons and the Pacers have and the Spurs where you can just kind of, you know, will be the dumping ground too. If that's what, if that's what makes the most sense, they have, they, they, they're set up to do kind of whatever they want. Right. And they could, um, I feel like they'll go the more conservative route of leasing out cap space than maybe taking some flyers in just free agency on, on younger guys. And whether that's like an Amir, Amir, I say younger, but like a Caleb or a Cody Martin or an Amir coffee, um, could they just be one of the teams that say, Hey, we're going to give a windfall to Tyus Jones to just have that, uh, offensive steward or game manager. Um, so th there are a lot of, you're right, that there's a lot of different stuff that they could do. I've kind of wondered, well, although let me, let's get through this first. Mo Bamba and Terrence Ross. Do you think both or either of them will be in Orlando to start next year? Ross is on an expiring contract. He's not a free agent like Bamba. Right. I think I, Bamba felt like, you, you, well, why? There's no way he'll be back. They have Carter. It's just like, but if you could bring him back as a backup center for, you know, five, six million, it, and, it's possible. And also, right? him and um, Wendell Carter played a ton of time together on the court last year. It didn't look great offensively yeah. at times. Um, but he could play next to Ben Carroll then. And if you don't know what's happening with Jonathan Isaac moving forward, I've, so I think there's a better than chance than we're expecting that Mo, even though I predicted that he'll leave, but I, I kind of just feel like they'll move Terrence Ross. They'll let Mo Bamba move on and they'll just continue delving deeper into this like full scale rebuild. Yeah. 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 I think that's right. Ross is again, perennially going to be a deadline. Can we get anything for him? It's probably second rounders at this point. Uh, but I think two main two names that you didn't ask, but I forgot to mention that I really like both restricted. I don't know why you wouldn't mess around and, and see if you could make the Blazers think about Anthony Simons. Um, that's that's who I was really calling Sexton. I think and both of those. The I was thinking. I was just about to ask you about those. Do you think either of them provides enough? If they, I like Anthony Simons. If you believe that Suggs and Bancaro are like one B type playmakers and Ben Carroll might be, I'm actually, I feel like I'm somehow higher on Jalen Suggs than the consensus all of a sudden when everyone was so high on him coming out of college. Um, I think he can be that guy. I just want to see him. They put the ball in his hands a lot last year. I just need to see him with more space to operate. They're better set up with Ben Carroll. And then if they can add some shooting, uh, like even bringing Gary Harris back wouldn't be egregious because of how well he shot the ball for them last year. I, I love the Simon Sexton. I just don't, I think Simon's has a higher playmaking ceiling based off some of the stuff we saw from him last year, where it's when he was collapsing defenses, he understood what to do, not complicated passes. And maybe Sexton's already peaked where you might be able to ratchet up um, the playmaking. If you're Anthony Simon's moving forward, I would love him there. I yeah, did. I mean, Sex Sexton's almost a buy low guy at this point. I think maybe that's just me. I, I just, you know, I mean, if he's costing you 14, 15 to get out of Cleveland, we're the shot. Right. Right. I agree. Simons would be the real piece there because him and Suggs, I kind of like as a long-term fit and even him and Fultz actually makes a lot of sense. If you think Fultz is still like a core consideration there. I think there's definitely more directionality to Markel Fultz's off the dribble game than there was, but unless he's going to put consistently more pressure on the rim, get to the line or develop more than sort of this very methodical, albeit fairly efficient mid-range jumper, I think your offense is going to be inherently capped if you're viewing him as the floor general. What I did think about, and you were talking about, oh, maybe you look at trading Jonathan Isaac. I abs I probably would at this point, but maybe you look at the non-guarantees and say we're hedged against disaster, but teams like Sacramento or Minnesota, 
maybe even Charlotte. I think there are a bunch of teams that would be interested in maybe you get either picks or just interesting players back. What if they went the other route? So just go with me here. You have Bencaro, you have Jalen Suggs, you nail them to the floor, and you go and make an offer for Donovan Mitchell. Mm. Anything so what's that look like? I mean, it's it's picks, and you have Chicago's pick. Uh, I would include Franz Wagner. I know he had a great year. The Magic fans are very high on him. They've been mad at me in the past. for I think I had him fourth on my or fifth on my rookie of the year ballot, and they thought he deserved to be higher. But it's it's anything that isn't Jalen Suggs or Paolo Bancaro. I also thought about, and this would be like, you're not giving up Franz Wagner. It's maybe it costs you not your own future first, and Utah was just kind of looking to get off the money. If you're getting rid of Wendell Carter Jr., in a pro like a Palo Bancaro Rudy Gobert from court is fairly interesting. So hold on, are we trading for for Mitchell and Gobert? No, no, I'm just saying I have some reservations <laughs> about that. I don't know if they'll Mitchell's probably not available, is my point. Yeah, right. Like, would you I think you look at it and say, Well, we if Isaac is healthy, Wendell Carter Jr. is so cheap, we have Bancaro and we have the option of bringing Obama back. Does Rudy Gobert materially change what we're doing? I mean, you automatically have like a top five defense if he and Isaac are on the same team. Oof. Yeah. But yeah, you're not being Caro and Suggs offensively. I just, that is not the target. But if, if Utah's asking price is so low to where it's not even costing you a Franz Wagner, um, yeah. I, I wouldn't, you know, they're, they're also a team where if OKC did it, and I don't think they would, Shea Gilders Alexander, that's something that somebody, I think, I don't, it depends on, I think they're going to gradually build this thing out. I want to make that clear. But Orlando could do some pretty freaky stuff if it wanted to, and they're that high on just the Ben Caro Suggs, even Wagner core moving forward. Magic fans are so mad at you right now. They might be happy because everyone always talks about them trading their good players to other teams. So maybe Tra trading for a good player would be different. That's, that's for sure. So, so maybe they're respected or they're angry. Like you said, what is crackle hacking hardware Knox listeners? If you're listening to this on the actual podcast, while we're doing our Southeast division preview, um, you're going to notice that Grant is no longer with me because the Wizards blew up everything that we talked about ahead of their 2022 free agency look ahead because they traded for Monte Morris and Will Barton from the Denver Nuggets. So we're going to get into that, and then I'm going to readjust what our look ahead would have been um, from that. If you're just watching this on YouTube, uh, threw it up live just because to have it out there and just be done with in case it's ruined or whatever. But the trade between the Wizards and the Nuggets, and we'll get into a little bit of the implications for the Nuggets as well. Um, was Monte Morris and Will Barton go to Washington for Kentavious Caldwell Pope and Ish Smith, whose contract uh, will be guaranteed and the Nuggets plan to keep him. I saw a lot of people, let's focus on this from the Nuggets really quickly. What's interesting about this trade is the new salary cap projections gave them a little bit more wiggle room under the luxury tax. And because of the way that contracts worked, Will Barton had some unlikely incentives for this um this coming season, those were calculated into a lot of the, the payroll projections when they were trying to account for whether they would be under the tax or the luxury tax apron. Now, they have ducked a tax, is my point, by making this trade. Um, they save, it's under $5 million in raw salary, but it's more than $6 million when you're factoring in um, that Will Barton unlikely guarantee, or about $6 million around there. So they have now ducked the tax heading into the offseason. What they could still do, a lot of people said maybe they'll carve out enough room to use the non-taxpayer level exception. That's too difficult. They would have to move some whole-scale whole salaries, maybe Smith and Jeff Green, and I, I still don't even think um, that would do the trick, to be honest with you. 
um, they can still use the mini MLE. And I wrote about this. Uh, Calvin Booth has said he has the the go ahead to use the the mini MLE for Denver. I would be a little bit shocked if they still use it now because this doesn't feel like a team that wants to pay the tax at the moment and is preparing for future seasons in which they they have to. Um, that the Wizards were able to help them was a, a home run to me for for Denver. Um, I think if you're going to make this trade, and look, maybe they still use their mini MLE. They they can do it. Maybe they use it, plan on ducking the tax or whatever later, yada, yada, yada. They have for now ducked the tax heading into the, the season. I think that this is a fine trade to make while doing that because KCP is a fantastic point of attack defender, a real 3 and D guy, um, is better off the ball than Will Barton, is better defensively than Will Barton. He's better defensively than even Monte Morris. There's definitely a drop-off from Monte Morris to Ishmith. But if you have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming back and you believe in Bones Highland, this is just, there's some, you know, cap sheet shuffling here that makes you cringe because this team is so good. When it's at full strength, they should be willing to go as deep into the tax as possible. Um, a guy like Nicole Jokic comes along once in a generation. So I get that element of it, but this isn't a losing trade for them because KCP is exactly what they need. And they had... Not that Monte Morris was redundant, but they have talent to make up for him. Now the focus shifts to, are they going to stay outside the tax or will they use the mini MLE? Because they could still use um, shooting another defender, um, maybe even a backup big. So the, the Nuggets remain a team to watch. I don't hate this trade for them, but I do think it speaks a lot about how stingy they're planning on being when it comes to spending on this roster. For the Wizards, love, love, love this trade for the most part. I think they're going to miss KCP who was probably their best uh, perimeter defender last season. That being said, you have other guys who can step up. You had a, I don't want to say a wing surplus, but Denny Avdia, I think is probably like one of the five most underrated defenders in the NBA right now. Kyle Kuzma has become rock solid there. Monte Morris is going to be fine and he will give you some point of attack minutes as well. Um, you could probably use another point of attack defender because you don't want to necessarily use Denny Avdia or Kyle Kuzma there in, um, in volume. Does that mean that they're more likely to bring uh, Howell Neto back? Um, perhaps. Uh, maybe they just go looking at to fill that need um, with they needed shooting and defense is my point leading into the offseason. And now you've gotten, I think you can argue you've gotten an upgrade in shooting when you look at Monte Morris's mid-range game, um, his ability to hit threes, um, whether he's on or off the ball. Will Barton is a good enough shooter. He's a little awkward off the ball, uh, but I think the Wizards needed more on-ball juice um, as well, definitely more so than the Nuggets did. I would like to see them give more responsibility to Denny Avdia on ball next season. I really think that he is just sort of this sleeping blue chip prospect. We've already seen it on defense, and I think there's a lot more to plumb there on offense. This doesn't prohibit you from doing that. The other thing I'll mention is Will Barton, his salary, I don't like viewing players like this. If you can use it to facilitate other trades, like I don't think the Wizards are done. Like now they'd still have just all these fungible contracts that can move in separate trades. Monte Morris gives you a good enough offensive steward now to take some of the pressure off Bradley Beal, who, by the way, Bradley Beal, this is like a very minuscule news item, opted out of his contract. He's going to resign on a five-year deal with the Wizards. I imagine he'll have a player option at the end of it. Maybe it doesn't, but he's staying in Washington. Uh, the speculative nightmare is over, even though all along Bradley Beal just kept saying, I'm coming back to the Wizards. Um, aside from that, so the Wizards keep a lot of flexibility here, and they probably get a little bit deeper just because Will Barton and Monte Morris are two of the, you know, they're both better than Smith is my point. I think you can make a case KCP might've been the best player involved in this deal. It's between him or Monte Morris at this point, but you got two of the top three players in this deal. So you are just deeper by extension. 
what the Wizards have also done now, and look, I think Monte Morris is going to be a fantastic fit for them. I would like to probably see them have a higher end, just floor general type, uh, because Will Barton, Monte Morris, even Denny Avdi at his peak, and look, even Bradley Beal, you view them as these secondary uh, table setters. Not even look, Bradley Beal is a primary shot creator playmaker and he can run be the engine of your offense but you would like someone who's just a better passer than bradley beal on your team i don't necessarily know that the nuggets uh the wizards have it right now it could be monte morris and you have enough secondary playmaking now between um even barton just with the ball in his hand secondary creation at least monte morris um and again if you're gonna explore just some more kenny obvious stuff you have enough to sort of work within those confines more than you did before so i like this trade for them and KCP was going to be a free agent after next season anyway. And the same would be said of Will Barton, but he's just a little bit more expendable to them. And now this maybe frees up to where, okay, Kyle Kuzma feels like he might be a long-term piece here. He's extension eligible, has a $13 million player option next summer. I imagine he would decline an extension, even if the Wizards offer one, which they absolutely should. Um, they really, it's 120% off of his current number. And so you're looking at like a little over $15 million to start. Um, that's, I think he's going to think he can probably get, get more on an annual basis as an unrestricted free agent, maybe even from Washington. So you're still flexible. I think you've improved the balance of your roster and now it gets interesting. And this is where we lead into like the, the meat and potatoes of the wizards free agency. You can still go out and do just some weird stuff here. This hasn't again, hurt you really trade asset wise. KCP was one of your assets, but if you really want to go out and make a bigger deal, Monte Morris will, or will Barton. Will Barton has an expiring contract. Monte Morris more so is just an actual player on a, on a really team-friendly contract. Those are assets. Um, looking at their key free agents, they have Thomas Bryant and Howell Neto are the biggest names. And I again, I'm wondering if Howell Neto is more likely to be back, um, just given that you did give up KCP here and he was your best uh, POA defender. Um, they do not have any notable non-guarantees anymore because they traded both KCP and Ish Smith. Their notable extension candidates include Christoph Porzingis. I already mentioned Kyle Kuzma. Rui Hachimura and Vernon Carey. I don't think any of those guys are going to get an extension. I could see Kyle Kuzma being offered one and ultimately declining it. Um, their trade exceptions, they have an Aaron Holiday one worth $4 million and a Montrezl Harrell one worth $5.2 million. They're both going to expire as of now, um, February 10th, 2023. Their best spending tool, here's where it gets interesting. So with Bradley Beal going to resign for max money and even with taking on this additional money in the trade, they still have some pretty unfettered access to the the non-taxpayers mid-level exception which is 10.3 million dollars to start actually i guess it could be a little higher here because the salary cap projections went up the point is after the adjusted salary cap projections i have them between 17 and 18 million dollars under the um the the tax so like that's not even the apron if they want to pay the tax they can definitely use the non-taxpayer mid-level exception because they're going to be about nearly 25 million dollars under the apron again even after accounting for oh not that high there's going to be like 20 million dollars or whatever is below the apron even after accounting for bradley beals max salary that is i think really important because not a lot of teams are working with more there are only a handful of cap space teams and there are a bunch more teams that are either not going to spend the mid-level exception or they only have the mini mle a team like the nuggets or or the clippers who might have already used it on on john wall and so this puts you in the driver's seat to at least i think be a more attractive a des destination if you're willing to give the full mid-level to one player. I don't know, you know, I don't know. We can now would be a good time to get into targets for them. Um, I still think they could use some extra shooting. Um, I think you could stand to have some extra wing depth. I know you have Denny Avdia and Kyle Kuzma, but you need sort of that smaller, really feisty wing defender now that KCP is gone. 
Monte Morris can be fine. He's not a wing. Will Barton is more of a swing man, and he's had some good moments defensively, but he's not KCP is just my point there. Um, guys like Daniel House, and these aren't names that I think would command the full mid-level, but just names to keep an eye on. Guys like Daniel House, Amir Coffey, I think, is a sneaky good free agent. Um, I would say specifically maybe Caleb Martin um, or even either Martin twin, but definitely to fill that KCP role a little bit in smaller volume because they they don't have like that that natural microwave instinct to their offensive games. They're super accessory, but that can be valuable if you're putting the ball in everyone else's hands or just want some spot different roles without KCP. I do wonder if this is a sneaky, good Victor Oladipo destination, more secondary passing, and then just the ability of someone else to create his own shot. Will he shoot well enough from beyond the arc? That does seem to come and go, but it gives you some, you know, even now probably more rim raw rim pressure um, then you're going to get from a lot of your other guys. That includes a, a Will Barton and a Monte Morris, who, by the way, I can't remember if I mentioned this already. Monte Morris is one of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA. So they just there are now levels to Washington's offense, especially if you believe in how well Kristaps Porzingis played here last year. Another name that would be interesting is they, I think people believe they Tyus Jones is out of the running because they have Monte Morris now. I would probably agree. If he was willing just to sign for the non-taxpayers mid-level, that just feels like smart business to have that type of player there. Um, but you could get a little smaller in the backcourt. Are you ever going to play Tyus and Monte Morris and Bradley Beal together? Probably not. I mean, you could. I just don't know how good defensively you would wind up being in those situations, as good as Tyus Jones and Monte Morris can be in their own respective roles. Uh, Gary Harris could be an option. Again, smaller, not that long, but very complimentary, feisty on D, shot well from three last season, and then uh, even shot well on drives, nearly 50%. They could go the Bruce Brown route as well, another smaller guy who could defend up. Who really intrigues me for this team now? And maybe again, if you don't want to give the mid-level exception to Tyus Jones, maybe you don't want to give half or more of the mid-level exception to this guy. But Gary Payton the second feels like he would make a lot of sense. If you believe in his three-point clip, he hit like 36% of his spot-up threes last year. Um, if if you believe in that from him, there's a a chance that his point of attack defense and just his general defense where he can defend up to threes really. And then you can also use him as a cutter, even a screener on offense. Um, again, you then are investing in some smaller players with that being said, it just feels like such a good fit now, especially without KCP there. And so that would be another name I think is worth keeping an eye on. You could go, I, I think you have enough shooting now to where defense is just going to be the bigger need, even though for there were stretches last year, long stretches in which I thought the wizards overachieved on defense relative to their personnel. And so they could maybe bank on being a league average or better defense again this year uh, by just having the, the current personnel in place. Implicitly though, by re-signing uh, Bradley Beal, you are obligated to continue to go for it. And so they, it's, it's not even a question. Go ahead, use full non-tax pyramid level. It's just how do you want to prioritize it? And so Gary Payton II feels like it might straddle a, a few interesting lines there. Uh, but I do love the idea of a Victor Oladipo in Washington now. I also do wonder how active this team will be in the trade market if you are going to re-sign Bradley Beal. Um, also, by the way, they could go, like, if we want to talk lower-scale options, uh, like, or not lower-scale, but Kyle Anderson not going to provide a lot of shooting but gives you passing and then multi-position defense here. Not really a point-of-attack guy, though, if you're looking for someone to kind of pick up the load from KCP. And I don't know if the non-taxpayer level is enough to get out of Memphis. I, I think it actually might be. Um, just given what, you know, the emergence of Desmond Baines, Ayer Williams, uh, Jake LaRavia being taken in the draft and so on and so forth. Uh, they could also maybe look at, you know, Derek Jones Jr., kind of more of like a big or 
like a four, like, but defensively he can play anywhere and he's going to compromise your spacing. But if you're looking to prioritize defense in that regard, I probably wouldn't go the the big man route. You have Gafford, you have Kristaps Porzingis. You could bring back, uh, I, I would imagine for fairly affordable, if you wanted to, you could bring back um, Thomas Bryant. Ver, do you want to give Vernon Carey a shot here as well? So I wouldn't go that route. I guess I wouldn't be opposed if you wanted to skew someone who's more of like a four, uh, but just having the Denny Avia, Kyle Kuzma set up, like those feel like really good, like three, four options, however you want to classify them there. And I would look for those like either pure wings or just the the two, three guys. Like again, KCP who could also defend the the point guard spot. And I really, I'm just in love with the idea of Gary Payton a second there. Victor Oladipo would certainly be just this bigger swing. With all of that said, I don't think what the Wizards did precluded them from going out and trying to find, TJ Warren's another name, by the way. I could mention him for every team that would make sense in Washington. If he's, I don't know how much he's going to cost coming off how much time he's missed, but he's a, he's a damn good player as well. Uh, and my under the radar ones, by the way, I just want to reiterate, keep an eye on Amir coffee and Caleb or Cody Martin, wherever those guys land. Um, they were sneaky, high impact players this past season. The last thing I'll say on the wizards is I'm very high on what they've done on the off season so far. Even if you don't agree that they should be bringing back Bradley Beal um, to that point really quickly, if you don't think they should have been bringing back Bradley Beal, you don't like, you don't make that decision. Now you should have moved him when there's actual time on his contract rather than getting into sign and trade scenario. So Bradley Beal wants to be in Washington. Washington wants him. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm totally cool with it. You're still not, uh, you still have an obligation, I think, to kind of sniff around the point guard market when looking at trades, just to like get an actual floor general in here. Uh, and there's it definitely needs to be someone different than the John Wall, Russell Westbrook type, even a Spencer Dinwiddie. It needs to be someone who's more natural at playing away from the ball. And even the Wizards were meant, were, um, tangentially mentioned to DeJounte Murray. I like that defensively, and he has played without the ball in San Antonio in the past, but you're still looking at someone who works predominantly inside the arc, and to give up the equity it would take to acquire him, I wouldn't love it. And so I like the idea of Monte Morris next to Bradley Beal on offense more than I like DeJounte Murray next to Bradley Beal. Uh, defensively, it's not a contest, obviously. Uh, and when you do look at the trade market, the issue becomes, okay, well, like what type of those point guards are available? And the answer is that they're not. And um, I do think what the Wizards have done, just getting a little bit more expensive expiring salary in Will Barton is that they could drum up their potential return. But what if they're interested in a Terry Rozier? Should Charlotte be looking to cut payroll? Um, there's like, you've already gone the Spencer Dinwiddie route. So do not, that's not going to be touched with the 10 foot pole. You look at maybe consider signing Dennis Schroeder. If he falls through the cracks and is costing you the minimum or like even just a fraction of the, the mid-level slash the biannual, which is the other thing that they could use, by the way, I don't believe they used it this past season, but they have enough room below the apron uh, to where, yeah, they didn't use it last season. So they have the biannual as well. That really opens the door for them to like, like what if TJ Warren is just taking the biannual? Like, what if that's what that guy costs you? What if you're able to get Daniel House there? Like, that's just really good value. And so I'd like to see them do something like that. Um, maybe do you try and be the team that's like, hey, Ricky Rubio, we know you're not going to play until the middle of the year, but will he take the biannual? Not the best, cleanest fitter alongside Bradley Beal, but someone who could really manage the game for you. Uh, don't love it, but if it's cheap enough, why not consider it? I don't view this as a D'Angelo Russell trade destination. If Minnesota goes that route, they would probably want Kuzma, in that trade, I'm not giving up Kuzma for D'Angelo Russell. That's just the state of affairs here. I think Kuzma's more of a desired archetype asset to Washington. Uh, could they, they could still look at Devontae Graham, maybe, if they're trying to reboot assets. That's someone I imagine doesn't cost you any real 
uh, asset equity, you're not giving up Monte Morris. You're not giving up Denny Avdia in that deal. You're not giving up, you know, I mean, Kristaps makes too much anyway, but you're not giving up a primo asset in there. Uh, the most I think you would have to go. And I do think, look, I exist outside the Wizards bubble. So I understand that there are Wizards fans who've seen more games than I have. I'm not that high on Ruby Hachimura, but that feels like the highest cost it would take is Ruby Hachimura. And I think that actually might be enough to, to do it. Looking at the Washington's uh, cap situation, to where it would work, but Rui Hachimura and salary filler—that would be like the highest. It feels like you would need to go because you're trying to reboot Devonte Graham's um, stock at this point, and he might—he's going to be considered overpaid at two years and twenty-three point seven million guaranteed, uh, two point eight million then partial guarantee in the third year of his deal. So he has close to thirty million guaranteed over. Uh, excuse me, close to twenty, about twenty-five, twenty-six million guaranteed technically over the next two seasons but you do have control over him if it works out in that third season. My point is he should be super affordable. Could this be a Derrick Rose team after the Knicks traded for Jalen Brunson? Um, I don't know how much I would give up for him aside from like trying to match salary. Would you want to give up Will Barton for Derrick Rose? If you're Washington, I might argue that you don't, um, but there is a team option on Rose. So he's next year. So he's functionally an expiring contract as well. That is certainly something that, that they could look at. I thought about just depending on what Orlando was trying to do. What about Markel Fultz for this team? It would be like if you took it's it's like sort of a worse offensive fit than Dejounte Murray, but with a lot of the same side defensive benefits. Um, that would just be something to look at. Again, I don't love the offensive fit there. Uh, could you just take a flyer on Cameron Payne? I don't. He doesn't currently fit into any of your trade exceptions. But again, what does that? Does it, does it really cost you that much to get him in the first place aside from just figuring out how to match salary? So those are names I think that would be worth keeping an eye on. I really did kind of like the idea of Mike Conley here a little bit. I just think when you look at Washington's best matching salary, they're probably all too valuable to include in a Mike Conley trade, knowing that he has the um, huge guarantee. He's guaranteed this season and a huge guarantee. It's more than 50% of his contract the following season and his age. And so I think if you're Washington, you'd prefer the flexibility rather than going like, let's say, uh, Will Barton and t- pick your salary filler from there. Is it, I think it is Rui Hachimura in that situation. Do you view Rui Hachimura as salary filler? I have a feeling the Wizards view him um, slightly higher than that, if not a lot higher than that. Might be a name though to keep an eye on if Utah decides to to blow it up. Um, they could go for even like a, you know, maybe even an Alec Burks type if Detroit is looking to move on from him again. Not a point guard, but someone else who could generate their own shot. And so why not just drown your roster and secondary playmakers? I think I've gone long enough on the Wizards, though. I thought it was a great, I thought it was a good trade for them. Um, I love the Monte Morris fit there. And you still have all these options moving forward. I'm a lot higher on their offseason and what they can do than I think a lot of other people are. Um, so many just view this Bradley Beal exception as them consigning themselves to mediocrity. And I, I just, I really don't think it's that. Even if you don't love the deal, even if you're disappointed with how he played last season, they're not tethered to any direction right now. Like this isn't the Lakers with Russell Westbrook and that type of non-option. They have so much flexibility on the rest of their books to make trades right now, to make some impact signings right now that aren't going to hamstring their books because they're going to be for salary cap except, exceptions. Um, they could wait and sort of straddle this line where it's they wait and see what they have next season. Then they figure out how to use that flexibility. Do they need to ever revisit the Bradley Beal situation over the next year or two? They can do that as well. I think they're they're not in the best situation, the most enviable position in the NBA, but I even like the, the Johnny Davis idea here. And maybe that was part of the KCP calculus, by the way, um, moving him and thinking that that's someone who is going to be able to play an immediate role 
for you, uh, which I wouldn't, you know, he's 20, he's six, four, like that's just like kind of a similar build there to, to KCP. But I, I'm more optimistic about the wizards, both in the short term and long term. than I think a lot of other people are, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see where their off season heads next. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, please consider throwing us a permanent subscription on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. We really do exhaust ourselves trying to cover the entire NBA. I re-recorded the Southeast division uh, look ahead by myself because we didn't want to just give you dated information. I ended up going about 10 minutes longer. We were supposed to do 10 to 12 minutes on each team. This was a fascinating trade by the Wizards. Again, rate, review, subscribe to Hardware Not Fair to get your podcast. Check out our Discord. It is in the podcast description and also the YouTube description below. Follow us on the socials, also in the description. Until next time, and like always, a you with a shout out to the one, the only, Frank Neal Keenan.